Hey, 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 welcome back. Another great episode today, zooming in from the beautiful city of St. Catharines, Ontario. We've got an accomplished real estate entrepreneur and property manager, Miss Melissa Dupuy. Melissa, nice to meet you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. So tell us a little bit about what got you into real estate in the first place. What was that initial spark, inspiration, kick in the pants? What made it happen? Well, I thought it would be fun. And it is. It okay, is good. I'm glad you. I'm glad your dreams have come true as the fun department. Good. Yeah, I, I I went through a significant life change. I went through a divorce, and uh, which was which was challenging as they tend to be. And <laughs> during that time, I really looked to. Um, I just kind of started on the path innocently, shall we say. I uh, was moving out of the family home, and I opted to purchase an apartment condo that I could afford with the intention of one day renting it in the future. Mm. And ultimately, you know, that was the first stepping stone and continued along that path from there to, to bigger and, and better things as well. So what year was that? What was that first purchase? That would have been 20, 2012. 2012. All right. 2012. So you start off in 2012, basically buying your own personal residence with the, with the eye on, on renting it out eventually. And, Mm-hmm. And moving up, scaling up from there. So, what did that lead into? What what kind of real estate investing do you, did you do? What kind of stuff do you do right now? What does the portfolio look like? So, I started out with baby steps along the way, and I, you know, I was a single parent. I was the only one supporting my household, and so I, I was prudent. I worked for a bank. Uh, so bankers tend to be conservative by nature, yeah. and I ultimately ended up moving from the apartment back into the family home, which I took over and rented out the apartment as intended. And from there, I started acquiring more properties. So the next one after that was a a duplex here in St. Catharines. And from there, I started clipping along at about one per year, single family homes, semis, uh, triplex, things that needed some renovation that I could go in and add some value to. And uh, graduated my way up to a little bit bigger buildings and also bigger projects currently undergoing some uh, renovations where we're adding additional units into the building, things like that. Highest and best use, of course. Mm-hmm. I've also expanded into. Oh my goodness, my cat's going. Sorry about That's that. That's all right. That makes it more. That makes it real. They don't. They don't listen. They're like children. They don't listen. So I don't know if I'll get her to be quiet there. Um, own some land in Belize. Just bought a house in Mexico with the intention of, uh, of trying out the short-term rental market there, and maybe some potential land development there as well too. So, um, so it's it, it's been a it's been a long path, very quick road to success in real estate investing, but it's been a fruitful one, and and I've been grateful to learn some things along the way as I scale up with bigger and better buildings. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So I also understand that that you do a lot of property management. So. You manage your own properties. Do you also manage other people's mm-hmm. properties as well? Yes, I do. Okay. So how how many units do you have under management at the moment, including yours and, and other people's? We're currently at about 200 doors under management. We're spinning through the Niagara region and the and the Hamilton area. So I, I you know, did leave a corporate job to pursue real estate investing and property management full time. That was just a couple of years ago. Mm. And, you know, currently undergoing some exciting consultation work to really bring the business to the next level, really service our clients, expand our geographic area. It, it's been wonderful. I love the build of the business and I love dealing with people in their homes. It, it, it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. And um, yeah, here we are. 
Yeah, well, that is exciting. So are most of your property management clients, are they single family homes, multis, large multis? What, what, what kind of mix do you have in there? Uh, currently, our largest building is 10 units. Okay. So we're so 10 it's... units and under more, more the everyday investor, the everyday yeah. type of building. My uh, goodness, because every those everyday investors typically have a hell of a hard time yes. finding good property management. So I'm, I'm very pleased to hear that that's kind of your niche. It is, it is. And, and, you know, we're, we're exploring things such as graduating into larger buildings and, you know, potentially into management of premises for condos and, and things like that. Of course, that requires some significant uh, work, accreditation, that kind of thing. Um, you know, my, my priority is to make sure that we can offer and maintain the service quality, service level quality that we need, because there are there is a significant lack of quality property management companies, and that's just not something that I want to be. So, um, you know, we, we pride ourselves on hiring people that care, care about the job, care about the tenants and the, and the properties themselves, and really just want to maintain that. So, I remember years ago, Melissa, uh, and, and I have no personal experience as a property manager per se. So this is just secondhand information. But uh, I remember years ago talking with somebody from a, property management company. And we were talking about the business side of things. And they were telling me that they needed to have about 400 units under management to make it viable. Is is Does that ring true with you? Or, or do you have a different model? Or now they, they might have been had a lot of employees and stuff like that. I'm not sure. But what, what well, have you found so far? Yeah, I mean, we're viable, right? It was started out small, started from scratch. There was nothing there. Literally built the company from the ground up. And I had a 15-year career in banking, which I absolutely loved until one day it wasn't for me. Um, the last few years of my career, I spent as a consultant on operational efficiency in head office for a, a team that I saw grow from 50 to about 500 people nationally. So, uh, so I really got to participate in a lot of fun things and that experience lends into how I run the business. And again, being a responsible business owner, I have uh, staff employees that need their paychecks and we have taxes to pay and, and, you know, we have to pay the rent and, and things like that um, to maintain operations. So, I mean, we started out very, really from nothing and grew along the way and it's been organic um i've allowed it to grow really from word of mouth and referrals only we're at the point where we're looking at our, our greater marketing plan and and really to support our expansion but i wanted that that slower natural growth to allow me an opportunity to work out some of the kinks that come with bridging from managing for myself for other people and then also as our as our uh, book of business grew that to be able to accommodate the hires that we need to have to support that right what's the right person to hire and what does that look like and who does that need to be and how does my role change and how does their role develop and you know who wears what hat at what time when you're a small company that can be very dynamic it, it changes uh, sometimes from day to day and mm -hmm. and uh, and that took some time so here i got a shortcut for you if you're looking to market your company you want to hear okay. it sure <laughs> go Go to two or three of your local real estate investment club meetings. There's some big ones around your neck of the woods. And just stand up when people say, hey, stand up and, and do your 30-second spiel. Just stand up there and say, hey, I provide quality and affordable property management for mom-and-pop real estate investors 
in the in the Niagara region. Boom. That'll that'll yeah. have a bunch of people stampeding to you. I'm pretty sure because I'm just I just know for so many mom and pop real estate investors, the whole property management side of things is a nightmare. They they sign off with one of these big property management companies because they think they've got because they've got hundreds and hundreds of doors under management, they must know what they're doing. But the challenge with the big guys I've seen from a distance is that they it's not really worth their while to pay much attention to the little guy, right? They've got mm-hmm. their, their main client. They're looking to bring down folks that have hundreds of doors. So that's, they've got those efficiencies of scale. So if you're niched in with the, the everyday real estate investor looking for some help, I think you, with the word of mouth and just tie dialing it in with local real estate investment clubs, you'll have all the business that you want. Well, I, I, and that will, that will come. It's, it's not without its challenges. I mean, because we're dealing with smaller investors, we have 80 individual properties that somebody needs yeah. to know about. Right. And, and there's a lot to keep an eye on. And, and when staff is on site for leasing and just coordination and, and that's the kind of organization structure that, Hey, it's not that there's never an oversight. It's not that there's never a mistake, but I think at the end of the day, being committed to doing it right and to getting it right, even when those things do happen really goes a long way. And, and it's that caring piece at the end of the day, um, larger buildings tend to have superintendents on site, uh, by virtue of having a lot more residents, they're more likely to have someone to complain or just bring issues to the attention of the property manager. And when you're dealing with a single family home, I mean, unless you drive by it, you may not know. We're dealing with a duplex. Unless someone complains, you may not know. So right. uh, so it's not without its challenges, but uh, so far, so good. So when when a real estate investor is looking at property management, quite often uh, the idea they have is is kind of like, the fees and the percentages that the big guys and gals are paying for, for having their large multifamily properties managed, which, you know, typically are in the four to 5% range plus leasing fees and and that sort of thing. And they kind of get a little bit of a sticker shock when they realize that a property management company is going to charge them a heck of a lot more to manage the little duplex or single family home or, or things like that. What, how, do, how do you educate real estate investors about what they should expect as far as fees go for professional property management? I think it comes down to, in a sense, and and I mean, I started out with my business really trying to accommodate what people were asking for. And if someone wanted a discount, I'm willing to negotiate. But quite frankly, as time went on, I became less and less uh, willing to do so. And yeah. the reason for that is that you know, we can cut corners or we cannot. And do you want us pulling our own credit reports or do you want us just asking the tenants to give them? There's a difference, right? And when we think of, especially with the mom and pop real estate investor, or just those that, I mean, I mean, with anyone, with anyone, with anyone with buildings that's less than a large one, um, the impact of a non-paying tenant or a poor tenant can be really significant. And again, I don't have a crystal ball to predict every situation here, but if you want us to be thorough and to be able to be responsive, then that's going to come with a cost. Some people cannot afford property management. We are in a rising interest rate environment. I'm already challenged with looking at the rising cost of running a business, coupling that with what my clients are facing and trying to figure out what's the right timeline, way, and approach to look at raising our rates because we're going to have to. Um, You know, so, so we do our best and, 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 
I think that, you know, before someone even gets to property management, they should definitely be exploring those costs. It's part of the numbers that you run for managing your building. Um, the situation we find ourselves in really just, I think, caught a lot of people unawares. And so, you know, we do have some investors as saying, you know, I can't continue to take a hit of $1,000 negative cash flow in a month and I'm going to have to sell. And yes, some of that costs is property management. Uh, at the end of the day, we have to maintain our systems, processes, staff. We have to maintain on-call uh, emergency service just in case there's things that have to be in place. And so, you know, that that all that all comes out to a dollar amount when you start paying for other people's time. And, and that was something that, again, I had to graduate through and learn is what does that look like? And not only for myself, one thing for me to do it and get paid for it. When I have to pay for staff, I have to pay for their, again, their, their remittances to the government. I mean, there's there's other costs that come with that. But what they get in return, what the client gets in return is a team of people who's able to care for their property in a way that maybe they can't. So they really have to balance what that's going to look like. Um, I do tend to ask uh, potential clients as well, too. What are their expectations for property management? Uh, you know, interesting conversations come as a result of that. And, and sometimes it's not a good fit or sometimes they want a bit of a different approach. And maybe it's just us that's not a good fit. Sometimes they're not a good fit for us and we're not looking to accept them as a client right yeah. i mean that that can happen as well too we just want to make sure that everyone's satisfied and happy and understands the costs associated with it well and i mean quite frankly you are a business person you own a business and um business's goal is to create a profit i mean if i have to nothing, make money nothing well not just it, it's got to be a profitable endeavor for it to be worthwhile that's so i think a lot of people especially if they've been self-managing for a long time mm -hmm. and they just they, they they don't take their time into account they don't take all of that into account yeah it might be a bit of a bit of a shock for them but you know i i don't know what your rates are what they're going to be but i've typically heard for the smaller type buildings uh, investors should be thinking at, at least around the 10% range. Is Does that sound about right to you? Is that on the high side, the lowest side? Yeah, it, it, can, it can generally depend on the market you're in and what they include in that as well too, right? So between the Niagara and Niagara market, we tend to see more uh, a flat fee plus a percentage if there's maintenance involved and then a leasing cost. When you get into the Hamilton market, it's more a percentage of rents-based. So we're on the flat fee plus percentage for maintenance side of things, but Again, as we grow, that's something we need to look at and consider is what's that going to look like? Can we offer a percentage? What's that going to include? What might it not include? Again, as we get into bigger buildings, they're definitely looking for efficiency of cost. What's that going to look like? What's the staffing going to look like to support that? And does that make sense as well, too? So it's uh, there's definitely a wide range. I mean, unless you're managing condos themselves, property management is not regulated. And it's really determined based on how a person wants to set the rates and how they're running their business. It can be very different from one to the next. Yeah, definitely. Awesome, Melissa. So getting away from the property management side of things and back to putting on your real estate investor hat, mm -hmm. what are your, your goals and plans and aspirations for the next year or two for your own portfolio? The next year or two, a couple of things. So I do have some renovation projects, some significant ones. Uh, one's underway currently. Trades just finished their rough-ins. Contractors back in next week. And uh, that's essentially taking a current building from a triplex to a fourplex. Mm. And then there are a couple other buildings that we're looking at adding one, one additional unit and then the other three additional units. So uh, those permits are about to be submitted for with the city in St. Catharines, which is notoriously tough on this kind of thing, but is such as it is. 
Um, those, those steps are important for me because it will help to address some of the cash flow challenges that I'm seeing in my own portfolio, where, where again, most of us are experiencing that. So my goal is to have those wrapped up within the next year to two. Um, and then in addition to that, with just my expansion down south there into Mexico, I'm looking at some opportunities there with uh, potential of doing some property flipping. I'm in the early stages of exploring that and also land acquisition and what that might look like down in the future as well too. So really just trying to diversify a little bit what I'm doing, where I'm doing it. I like a challenge. I like a project. I like making a positive impact in the community. So how that comes together, you know, we will see. Yeah. Exciting stuff. What do you, what, what is, I, I know you've worked with investors and joint venture partners in the past. What, what have you found, especially from your banking background, works well for you for finding private capital, private lenders, joint venture partners? What what kind of stuff have you done and are you doing these days for that? I'm, essentially, I'm looking at it as, well, what, what is that person who's lending funds to me? What are they going to need to feel secure in that, right? I mean, there are a lot of people out there that call themselves real estate investors and I'm, you know, joint venture and raising funds and all that. But at the end of the day, is this a house of cards or is it not? Mm-hmm. And it can be hard sometimes to decipher that. So when I've worked with those on the private lending standpoint, I've said here, I'm willing to lay all my cards on the table. You want to see I've paid my taxes. You want to see my credit report. You want to see verification of my income. You want me to personally guarantee no problem. Um, that does heavily factor into the size of the deals I'm doing, which compared to some is probably on the smaller end and compared to others might be a little bit bigger. Um, but I think that it's important to have that transparency because, you know, I don't want, I would not want anyone to second guess the integrity that I have and that I have not well thought out my plan to repay. And also what if things go wrong? What's my contingency plan if things don't go as as expected, right? Mm-hmm. So um, from a joint venture perspective as well too, um, I've been very limited on that in terms of what I've done specifically with the joint venture partners, but uh, my preference on that is to be able to call the shots. And and part of that is that, again, if I'm going out and raising that capital and I'm the one who's securing that and I'm the one who's attached to it, then I need to be the one who's also able to liquidate and do what I need to do because I'm responsible for making that happen. Right. Right. So they bring the deal and I, and I kind of manage through that and until the conclusion of when we sold the property. So um, that's worked well for me. And um. Yeah. How about as, as far as finding these actual investors, what have, what have you done that's worked well for you for getting these conversations going, finding these kind of people that are, that are open to the idea of investing with you? I, I think it's largely, I mean, social media is a beautiful thing. I, and the times when I've been seeking it, I've just put some feelers out through there. Hey, looking at doing a deal. And if you're also looking at you and deal but on the other side of it, let's have a conversation about it. I think that um, largely opportunities and such could come my way also through networking. I mean, I go to those real estate investor meetups, I go to those conferences, and it's not necessarily going and sitting there with my handout um, or being aggressive and saying, what can I give you? What can I give you? What can you give me back? It's just to be in the community of people who are investors and doing the types of things either that I'm doing or that I want to be doing and also offering any, you know, mentorship and help to those who are aspiring to do, to do what I've been doing on the other side of things. So over time, those relationships do build. And then when it is time to embark on a project, you know, I've got a lineup of people I can connect with and very fluidly and easily either seek their advice. And and I also give back to those who seek it for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's very, very well said. I think uh, I think all those years in the banking industry probably did you some good. 
I think so. <laughs> it was helpful a little bit. Very yeah. helpful because I know myself and a lot of people, we get really, we got our knickers in a knot at the idea of the amount of disclosure and personal information that's involved with getting approved, especially for, for traditional mortgages, traditional loans and whatnot. You kind of cut your teeth in that business. So you're very mm -hmm. aware of it from the bank's point of view and what they need, why they need it. So that's made you very, very comfortable providing that, that kind of information, offering that kind of information to your prospective joint venture partners, lenders, et cetera. Um, and you're, and you're comfortable with that. So even though they may or may not ask for it, they may or may not even want to want to see it. You're perfectly ready, willing, and able to provide that information. I think that goes a long way as well. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Transparency is key. So it is Good relationships. Well, Melissa, thanks so much for sharing uh, your insights and, and your experience in real estate and property management. If people would like to connect with you, what should they do? I'm pretty active on Facebook. You're, you know, you're welcome to to add me as a friend and, you know, or shoot me a message and I can respond through there. I'm also on Instagram, eat, sleep, real estate, repeat. Not always the best checking my messages there, I'll admit, but if I get enough pings on my phone, I'm going to check and see what's happening. So, um, so absolutely can reach out to me on social media. That, that would be the best way to reach me. Awesome, Melissa. Well, thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me, Dave. Really appreciate it. All right, everybody, take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode.